Welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and a few years ago, I started a life and business coaching company with my bestie. I'm a wife, a business owner, a coach, a speaker, and the author of the book that inspired this podcast, She Who Overcomes, Rising Out of the Ashes of Your Circumstances. I'm also training to run my first half marathon. Oh, and did I mention I'm doing all of this while overcoming a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis? It's true. And hey, if I can rise up, so can you. Each week on this podcast, I'll be here to encourage and equip you with the skills you need to rise up as the successful overcomer you were designed to be. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Oh, you guys, welcome back to another episode. I am so excited because today I have an overcomer here in the studio with me, and we're going to actually talk about adoption and specifically open adoption and hear a little bit about her story. But I want to tell you who she is. Um, Jen Winterberg is the co-founder of Later Gator and Stand Out Events. And she lives in Bismarck, North Dakota with her husband, Brian. They have two children, a daughter and a son. And they also have some cats who I understand sometimes make appearances to visiting <laughs> guests. Is that right? If they prefer. Yeah, Total cat you know, person. huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jen works uh, from home with, with Later Gator and Standout Events. And she also works as a social media specialist for other consignment sale owners throughout the country. She is an avid reader, and she started a book club several years ago, and she is somebody that I have had the honor to work with and um, coach with and and dream with, and I'm just so excited to have her on the podcast today. So Jen, welcome to She Who Overcomes. Yeah, thank you. I'm super excited to be here. This is so exciting to be on this side because I've been listening to the podcast, and it's awesome, and I love hearing all of your guests, so this is an honor. Thank, Thank you. you. You're like, well, besides Rachel, you're you're like the official guest number two so far. <laughs> but we have more coming, and it's it's going to be exciting. But I I was thinking of people to interview for this, and there's so much about you that I think you can share with the world. And so, who knows? Maybe we'll have you back someday. But <laughs> I think the the thing that really resonated when we were kind of talking about what what you could share is your story of adoption, because you do have two kids. One is biological and one is adopted. Mm -hmm. And so let's just kind of dive in to, first of all, um, how did this this yearning to adopt come to be? Yeah, it's something that it's, it's interesting because ever since I can remember, I have just felt this calling inside to adopt. And I can remember being as young as like 12 and telling my parents, and I'm an only child, so telling my parents, you need to adopt because I need a brother or sister. And they're like, that's not happening. And I'm like, well, how am I going to get a brother or sister? And they're like, I don't know, but that's not happening. So I've just always felt this, this calling inside that I'm going to adopt. And I guess growing up, I never really linked it to being an adult and adopting as a parent. Um, and so you know, time went by and I met my husband and we got married and 
you, you know, we, we decided we're going to start our careers and we're going to have, you know, a life before we start having kids because, you know, once you decide to have kids, it just happens, right? Like that's how easy it is, but it's not. And so we went through infertility and um, that's definitely something that's really difficult. And so we got to the point where in life we were going to take two paths. Either we were going to spend a lot of money on infertility or we were going to spend a lot of money going down the adoption path. And I had never really told my husband about how I felt when I was a kid. And so I sat down with him and I was like, you know, let me let me kind of tell you about what's on my heart. And he was totally open to it. And I was like, really? And at that point, it was like the heavens just opened up and aligned everything for us. And I don't know why we were so blessed, but it just from the moment that we decided we were going to adopt... Um, we just became some of the luckiest people in the entire world. And I don't know why, but I will take it. <laughs> it's awesome. I love that. So how long was the process of adopting for you? Because I know for some couples, it's it's years and years. It is. How yeah. long was it for you specifically? So for us, it was less than a year. Okay. We, we made the decision to start the adoption process in October of 2011 and our daughter was born in August of 2012. So it was just under a year. Oh. Yeah. And we have a lot of adoption in our family. And so I'm well aware of how long it can take and expected it to take a long time and was willing to wait for that because I felt like this was the right thing. And it was just aligned perfectly like that this was right because I can't imagine my daughter in any other family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was meant our family. So then when did your son come along? So then my son um, is biological and he was born in July of 2014. Okay. So my daughter, as of today, my daughter is six and my son is four. Wow. So was that a surprise? It wasn't actually. Um, I, I am actually one of the lucky ones. I had never, ever been pregnant, ever. I'd never lost a child. I had never had a positive pregnancy test. It just never, ever happened. So the grief that I had was a lot different than the grief that other women had um, in terms of having loss. It wasn't the same. I just mm -hmm. never had. So we decided to try one last time. We were going to have IUI, which is interuterine insemination, um, one last time. We're going to do it once. If it happens, it's meant to be. If it doesn't happen, we're done. We're going to have one child and that's fine. And so we did it and it was a positive pregnancy test, my one and only, and my one and only son came and now he's here and we have two kids and it's perfect. Wow. So, okay. When you were sharing with me the thing that people really identify with or want to know more about mm -hmm. with your story is specifically the fact that you had an open adoption. So can you explain to us what that is and what what has been your experience and also maybe even why people are shocked by that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and when when we think about open adoption or when we did, when we were going through the process, to us, we were like, yeah, we'll have an open adoption. That means like talking a couple times a year. Sure, we'll send them pictures. We'll, you know, and for us now, it's such a different story. So we have we're very, very involved in our birth 
family's life and they're very, very involved in our life. And it never started out that way. It just evolved into that. So from the moment that we met our birth mother and our birth father, um, it just there just was a connection there. And I never felt any type of um like any feeling that oh my gosh, this person is going to take my child away from me. I have to keep her from my child because she's going to be jealous. It was always this respectful back and forth. You're making this decision. I'm here to parent your child. And we were able to respect each other that way. And I think because of that, she was so trusting of the both of us um, that our relationship just bloomed. And so it started off like I was able to go to doctor's appointments with her. And then she asked me to be in the delivery room. And so I was actually even able to birth Sloan. Like I pulled her out wow. and cut her cord. And that, I mean, having having had a child yeah. and birthed Sloan, it was way cooler, <laughs> way oh, better wow. to be there for Sloan's birth. And so, you know, just to have those experiences and and be able to tell Angie, um, you know, when we leave here, this is not goodbye. Mm-hmm. And Angie told us, knowing that, that was the only thing that let me leave the hospital without my baby, mm-hmm. is knowing that I was going to see her soon. Yeah. And so hearing those things, we really kept an open mind. And so through the years, we have just been very open with our birth family and my son even calls them grandma, aunt, uncle. Um, we spend holidays together. We spend weekends together. My kids are with birth mom and birth grandma right now, actually mm-hmm. at the zoo. And people see that and they they have so many questions. I mean, first of all, it's a very odd situation. Right. It doesn't happen often. It doesn't. But it also sounds like such a beautiful thing. Like, um, just the fact that you were there when she was born. Like, I know when I was there when Rachel's youngest was born, and I call her my little bestie. We're like <laughs> little besties. And um, that experience, because I've I've never had had a child here on earth. I have had a miscarriage. And I didn't want kids. Like, my husband and I still don't to this day, but that loss of that love that you have is so strong. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to watch... Uh, Rachel bring her youngest into the world was just an experience that I'm so grateful for. And I was overwhelmed with the amount of emotion that is there when you get to be there for that experience. And so it's so cool that you get to have that with your daughter. Yeah. And that, and that your daughter is, is growing up knowing everybody involved in her family, because so many times we hear these stories about people that have been adopted where they don't know their family. And so they're, they feel like they're missing a piece of themselves or they just, they want to know more and they go through this long process of trying to find it. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't where they get to meet their birth parents. And you're right. It, it doesn't happen often, but I think what a beautiful gift for everybody involved that it is. Yeah, it really is. And the way I look at it is there can never be enough love for your child. Like you would never say, okay, that's enough. You know, right. we, we have enough love in our family. And so to be able to, she looks around and there's just love coming at her from every direction. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, our birth family is constantly telling us, thank you so much for letting us be in her life. Thank you so much for giving us this gift. You could have 
walked away and said, uh-huh. okay, you know, she's our child now. The papers are signed. But why would I? You know, mm-hmm. it, really, we're the ones that got the gift. Like, Angie will always be my hero, especially now that I have a bi- biological child and knowing what the decision that she made mm-hmm. and what sh- choice that she made and how much love that shows that she had for Sloan. Um, I just like my heart just feels yeah. so much. And so if this is the little littlest I can give in life mm-hmm. to make others happy. Why not? Yeah. So and like you said, my daughter will always grow up knowing who her family is. Right. She gets to see people that look like her. She gets to see people mm-hmm. that sound like her. We know all of her family history. It is just it's the coolest that is such a rare story. And and I love that we're sharing it because I think, for one thing, it gives people hope that it's possible, um, maybe not in every situation. But I, I think sometimes people go into things and there's so much fear um, because things happen. I mean, I've heard I've heard stories of of this happening and I've met the people where where it's like we've we've been hurt because. We thought an adoption was going to happen and then it fell through. And that is a huge emotional roller coaster, I'm sure, mm-hmm. for people to to have that up and down. And and how has how has this experience been for your husband, do you think? I think that it has been a lot more emotional for him than he ever expected. Okay. Like I think that he I think that little girl has him wrapped around his wrapped around her finger. And he has all little girls right, should, right? It, with their daddies. Yeah, it's so true. And it's it's so funny because Brian and I, we have the same feeling when we look at our daughter. We look at her and we see her birth parents in her face. So we see her birth mother, mm-hmm. her birth father, but she's ours. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something you can't really explain. It's just a feeling. Mm-hmm. So she's our daughter. But it, we can be like, oh, look, she's got her, you know, her nose or, oh, my gosh, that's such his expression. Uh-huh. And it's just the, the the most beautiful thing to be able to share. And and I don't know, it's it's just I like it's just the big, the best gift that God could have ever given us mm-hmm. in the circumstance that we were in. So what are some of the things that you maybe had to overcome going through this? Because there might be some people listening where they're like, well, this just sounds too easy. This is just too happy of a story, right? but it's life. So I'm sure there have been some challenges here and there that you've had to overcome. So what are some of those that, that you would want to share with people? Well, I think the infertility is, is the big one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was really, really hard. And I, we went through it for probably, I, I think about seven years. It was a long time. Wow. So, I mean, it, it took a lot of, Decision making and a lot of patience, mm-hmm. um, and just you know, just so that nobody listens to the story and thinks, "Oh, we tried once and then signed up for adoption, and then here she was." Right. You know, everything is a story, and so we could have made a different decision two years down the road and gone a, down a completely different path and had a wonderful story, also. So it's, I think, it's just about your path and what's right for you, and just being open to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have made a different choice with raising Sloan and had a completely wonderful life that way, too. Mm-hmm. It's just all about what feels right to you and being open to it. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that so many adoptions um, could go this way 
if the stigma and fear of an open adoption could be talked about more. And a lot of what we have discovered in our like in adoption conversations that we've had and with our social worker is that when adoptive moms know this and know that there is a choice for an open adoption like ours, the chances of them going through with the adoption are much higher. Wow. Mm -hmm. So just being able to talk about this and not be scared of it and especially being able to educate family about Mm -hmm. it because once we knew about open adoption, we had a lot of educating of our family to do because, you know, for example, even Brian's little brother, he was so scared because he saw her family around and thought, couldn't they just take her home with them? That's their baby. And so we had to explain, no, they can't. Like lawfully, she's ours Mm -hmm. and always will be. This is our choice we're making to allow them into our lives. And we could always make the choice to not let them, you know? And Mm -hmm. so just to alleviate fears and kind of go that, you know. Yeah. So So from your, from your, uh, research and and just educating that you had to do for yourselves and then for your family have you found like are there some situations that start out as an open adoption and then turn into a closed one later on um mm-hmm. and how often does that happen to your knowledge yeah i i mean to my knowledge i don't know how often it happens but i've seen it happen okay. i ha- i have a friend that it happened where they they tried, and I think it has to be a respectful back and forth between mm-hmm. both, right? So you know, it, it has to be where you know you're you're both able to set boundaries with one another and mm-hmm. respect those boundaries and set boundaries and um and be able to to tell one another, no, this isn't a good time, or right. you know, and if the other person is crossing the line, to be able to draw that line. And walk away if you have to. Mm-hmm. And as a as an adoptive parent, really, once you get to the point where you're the adoptive parent, what is comforting is the ball is in your court. Like you really do have all of the power in okay. that situation because once that once those papers are signed, mm-hmm. and really that happens very very early on in the process. Okay. Um. It, it really is like a moral, they call it like a moral obligation mm-hmm. is that decision that you make, but the power is completely in your court. Okay. And so it, it really becomes a respect thing. Right. So I think the biggest, the biggest thing I can say is just to get to know one another and mm-hmm. talk and spend time with one another. Um, and that's, that's where you're going to learn the most. So how did you do that? Like, how did you, first of all, choose that this did they choose you or did you choose them? The uh, the birth parents basically always choose the adoptive. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they chose you. Mm-hmm. And then how did you get to that point of getting to know each other? Like at what point did they choose you? Like how far along in the pregnancy? And then how did you get to know each other through that time frame? Um, so Angie was about six months along when she chose us, okay. which was wonderful because that allowed us to have the, that experience of going to the ultrasounds yep. and doing all of that. Um, and Brian and I knew from the moment we met them that we really wanted to make them feel comfortable. And because I had this 
crazy fear that I'm sure every single adoptive mother does that she's going to change her mind. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I was like, the more comfortable that I can make her and the more that I can let her see, I, I love this baby and I love you and I respect you. Mm -hmm. the more she's going to realize that I am who I say I am. Like, right. I am not trying to fake you. I am not trying to pull one over on you. Like, I, mm -hmm. we truly are these loving people that you see that dress up our cats. And, you know, like... <laughs> okay, wait, now you do dress up your cat? <laughs> yeah. So when you, when, you, when you go through this process, you have to make a book. And that's okay. literally how they choose you is out of a book. So mm -hmm. they tell you, you got to make your book stand out because that's, that's how they, they know you and learn okay. you. And so <laughs> we put everything in our book and we put, we dressed up our cats like for Halloween because they were our kids. Right. Right. And so Brian was like, don't you dare put that in our book. And I'm like, we have to like, that is us. And Angie oh, said when she was paging through, she saw our cats dressed up and she's like, oh dear, they need kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, I said, see, I knew it. I knew that was what was going to do it. So I love that. Okay. So the, the, just a side note, um, when I had Ajabi, our, our fur baby Shih Tzu, she was 13 when she passed away. So when she was a puppy, I mean, I put her in clothes all the time. I even tried putting her in shoes, like little dog <laughs> boots one yeah. time. Did not work out well. She looked like a newborn pony trying to like... <laughs> like lift. Yeah, she was kicking weird. And then she just gave up and sat on the floor and looked at me like, why are you punishing me? And Nate pretty much said the same thing. Like, why? Why are you putting Aja in clothes? And so then we, he would only let me put her in sweaters, like in the winter, because, you know, she was cold when she had haircuts and all that stuff. So um, the fact that you dress up your cats, like makes me love you even more, just like it probably made Angie love you even yeah. more, because oh, not only are we both only children and so many things, right. like we binge watch the same Netflix shows. Right. All the things, yeah. but yeah, we also dress up our fur babies. Well, yeah, of course you have to because you know they're your kids and it, they are. Yeah, yeah, Halloween costumes and all that. And did they adjust okay when when babies came into the picture? Yes, okay. luckily they did. Yes, they did. It was it was a good adjustment period. And That's <laughs> they good. did well. <laughs> so once you were chosen, what are um, some of the things that you did so that you guys got to know each other? Because three months isn't very long to get to know each other. Yeah, three months isn't very long. So we. We, what was really funny about the circumstances when you when you are connected with your birth family, you know what city they're from sometimes, um, depending on what how much information they want released, and but you don't know where they live. So once we became more comfortable with each other, we found out that we lived like five blocks away from our birth mom. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was crazy. So once Sloan was born, um, Angie just needed a, a little bit of period to kind of grieve. And uh -huh. so we gave her however much time she needed. And then once she was ready, we just started inviting her over to our home. Okay. And so um, she started coming over. Uh, we'd have like little things in the backyard, little barbecues. Anytime we had a little party, um, family party, holiday, we always invited them over. Pretty mm -hmm. soon they were inviting us to their house. Um, and pretty soon it was just, uh, it just became, okay, it's Christmas. Yep. Of course we're inviting them over. Uh -huh. Okay. It's Thanksgiving. Are we going over to their house or are they coming over to our house? And now it is, it is just like second nature. Yeah. They're just part of our family. We 
automatically include them in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And since that time, um, Angie has gotten married and has a son that's the same age as my son. So they're little buddies. And so they um, have sometimes have little sleepovers and play at grandma's. Uh And it just is, um, yeah, just the best. So when you were getting to know them, like when she was still pregnant, besides doctor appointments, did you guys get together for any other things or talk on the phone? Like, how did you build the relationship prior to Sloan yep. being born? We we took them out to dinner a few times. Okay. And I think in this day and age with social media, it really, really helps. Like, we became Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. We texted, I think, the most, more than okay. talking on the phone. We texted a lot, in fact. And that, I think, being able to text at any time and not feeling such pressure uh-huh. actually helped because she could just kind of pop a little note to me. I could pop a little note to her and be like, how are you doing? Did Sloan kick today? You know, um, I saw this and thought of you and like send her a little picture. Uh And it was no pressure. It was she could respond whenever she wanted to. And it really um, it really helped. And then having Facebook access too, Mm -hmm. I think that helped because she also could kind of Facebook stock a little bit. Right. (laughs) And And like really make sure your story matched up. Exactly. And look into our history and see, you know, these people really do dress up their cats and they really do go to Vikings and Twins games Uh and make that connection. And um, yeah. And, and it was, it was interesting because Angie, um, she had, she had, a lot of people who supported her, but a lot of people who didn't support her. Mm-hmm. And so I think being able to um, being able to connect with us in that way also as adults um, was was really helpful to her to stay in the right mindset. Uh-huh. Um, another thing that we learned that I was really surprised in our in our classes was I thought going into adoption that most birth moms are young. But most birth moms are actually older. Really? Yeah. So you'll you'll have young birth moms, but they said a lot of times younger people who get pregnant kind of have this fantasy that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a mom and it's gonna uh-huh. be great and it's all gonna work out. And and people that are a little bit older have had more experiences. They're a little more established. Maybe they don't live at home anymore. They can look at their life and be like, this just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be able to do this and make a little bit more um, mature decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, so I was, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, so both our birth mother and birth father, birth mom, I think I want to say was 22 and birth father was 25. Okay. So we were able to connect with them a little bit more on like a, a adult level right. and, you know, go out and have a steak and converse over Things that were more of on a, an adult nature. Right. And so that was, I think, an, a really great way for us to connect as well. I bet that was surprising because we don't, we don't really, um, I think unless you're going through adoption and you're learning this or you maybe want to adopt someday or you come from maybe a family where adoption has happened, you, you probably don't think about it. Like I really have never thought about, oh, I wonder how old people might be <laughs> when they're, you know, choosing the route of adoption instead of raising a child themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that is a fascinating piece of information. Yep. Yeah, it it is. There's a lot of interesting things around 
adoption that I think if if it was just more talked about mm-hmm. and if there was just a little less stigma, which I feel like there is. I mean, right. when I was young and my cousin was adopted, for example, I mean, case closed, books closed. She just found her adopt her birth family a few, like maybe five years ago uh-huh. and is getting to know them now. Whereas she actually adopted her son. Um, I think her son's like three, four, and he, you know, sees his grandma uh-huh. and sees birth mom once in a while. And it's just, it's really neat to see how just in a generation, yeah. how much it's changed. And so, you know, if Sloan ever decides to adopt, it'll be interesting to see with her having gone through what she has, mm-hmm. how open she can be and how much she can change even more so the stigma around adoption. Right. And just, you know, I just really want to like just scream life into everything because there are so many parents out there that are waiting for children. And um, if we just could support birth moms in such a way to tell them like, this is okay, this choice is okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you you don't have to say goodbye and we love you and we Uh support you and you're my hero. I mean, I tell Angie all the time, you are my hero and Sloan will always know. You know, she knows she was born in Angie's tummy and that Holden was born in mommy's tummy. It's mm-hmm. just a it's just a fact and and it's it's nothing to hide. Right. Well, and I love that what I love about this story is first of all, you keep saying, you know, just talking about it get ri- gets rid of the stigma. And that's how it is with anything. I mean, there's so many things that we can misunderstand or have fear around and avoid talking about altogether because we we don't understand it. We don't know anybody in that situation like firsthand. And so we make all of these assumptions, no matter what the topic is. And if we can just as a human race, Mm -hmm. especially in, you know, Western society, get to the point where we're okay talking about things that we don't understand, Mm -hmm. learning about it and, and trying to figure out what it would be like to walk in somebody else's shoes. I think that is a skill that, that we need more of in this world. And so I really commend you guys for the, the, attitude and the outlook that you've had from the beginning, because look at what it's built. I mean, just just thinking about that and how you have this extended family that you maybe wouldn't have had if you had gone around things differently. You you wouldn't have them yeah. if, if things had been done differently. And um, talking about it and sharing your story, like I just, I wish you guys could see Jen as we're sitting in here because she is just glowing with life and love as she talks about this. Like it's just oozing out of you. Yeah. And I think they can feel it in, in your voice. But um just that level of love and respect for the people that gave you your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's just such a beautiful gift. And so many times we can get so busy and we just forget about putting in that extra effort. To, to make people feel like they matter and let them know that we care. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I see that you guys have done that. And clearly now it's like, okay, whose house are we having turkey at? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And that and it feels so good. And so anyone looking in from the outside would never guess that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's just so seamless and smooth. And it yeah, it's it's just such a blessing. It's amazing. So with that, what are like what is something right now that you're currently working on overcoming? Well, I think just like any other mom, 
it comes, I mean, motherhood comes with challenges. It's so hard. And sometimes I look back at this and just think I don't deserve it. It's, you know, I, I don't know why we were chosen to be able to parent Sloan. I don't know why we were given the gift that we were. And I want to sometimes just slap myself and say, just take it, <laughs> take yeah. it and run, you know? Um, but, you know, just, just being able to balance everything is, is very, very difficult. And in this day and age, and especially with social media and mm-hmm. seeing all the, you know, all the things and all the, the moms out there that are doing this and doing that. And I'm like, come do some of that at my house. Cause I don't know how you do it all. It's, it's hard to, um, sometimes feel like you're measuring up. And mm-hmm. so that's something I'm definitely trying to overcome, um, on a daily basis mm-hmm. almost with, with everything. And sometimes I feel like with having more people in my family, like I have more eyes on me too, okay. you know? And so, um, there's more grandmas and there's more aunts and there's uh-huh. more uncles and there's more people watching Sloan and, you know, does she, did you brush her hair today? I don't think she did. When's the last time she took a bath? <laughs> like, you know, am, am I, am I really owning up and measuring up to this gift I've been given? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So. Well, and you're, you're a busy gal. Like you have a couple different businesses mm-hmm. and you are like basically as a social media you do social media content, right? Right. For other consignment mm-hmm. yeah. sales. Yep. Okay. Right. For seasonal consignment sales around around the U.S. and in Canada. Okay. So you do that on top of building your own business, two business, well, three, two, two or three. Yeah. Yeah. One is kind of <laughs> working on it. integrating into two. Right. Um, and so you have a lot of things that you are juggling yeah. while you're raising a family and, um, I think I think it's fascinating. Like you keep talking about social media and all these things because it's clearly, I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. You know how to you know how to work it, you <laughs> yeah. know, as a working mom and especially being somebody in the social media content world. Um, how do you make sure that you don't get distracted and stay focused on the things that that matter to you? It's hard. It's it's really, really hard. And in fact, that's something that I am consciously working on right mm-hmm. now is working on not getting distracted because it's when you have your phone, mm-hmm. it's always there. That distraction is always there. And so um, right now I am working on setting boundaries. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is the biggest thing is um, in my work life, I find I'm a yes person. I mean, kind of in life, I'm sort of a yes person. Like I'm always a go for it. Yeah, sure. I'll do it. Like, yeah, let's uh-huh. go for it. Um, and so I have found that I, and especially as my kids get older, um, I want to, you know, be active with them and make memories with them and um, just need to put, just put it down. Mm-hmm. You know, like I sometimes I wish we could go back to the days where there were no there was no Facebook and there mm-hmm. was no checking your email on your phone. And if you wanted to get a hold of me, you had to drive over to my house, like ride your bike and go home when the streetlights came on or call a landline. <laughs> right. Like, what's that? Like, what is that? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that that is definitely something that that I struggle with. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I talk to my friends about it and I talk to you guys about it, yeah. you know, and it's, it's a, it's a constant struggle. Mm-hmm. So. 
Well, and I, I, I love working with you. Like Jen is one of our coaching clients. Um, and she's worked with both Rachel and I in different, focusing on different things and in our group programs. And, um, one of the things that I absolutely love about you and I chuckle about it because your response to things, um, is, is always so, you're always so humble and, and there's always this, um, this look in your eye, like, yeah, but it sounds kind of hard. Like, but then you do follow through like that's, and, and clearly like the, the qualities that you have just as a person, like if I can just take a moment and give you just pretend nobody else is listening and just give you some words of life, Jen, you are measuring up, you are worth it. Like just the story you shared about how you you set respect and honor as like the foundation for how you were going to connect with with Sloan's birth parents like that right there is a huge part of measuring up because you've got the foundation right and so now it's just all those little you know the social media and the the phone like <laughs> those i think are are things that all of us at some points struggle with from time to time and sometimes we do well and sometimes we're like oh we've fallen back in and so um i i i love how real you are about that current struggle cuz it is a lot and and it's challenging because your phone is also your work tool mhm and so how do you balance that? I mean, there's all there's all types of things. We could totally go in a different direction with that. But <laughs> um, I think just knowing, like for our listeners, knowing that, you know, what's possible and that even though um, I think there's also this this level of of authenticity and building that vulnerability with people about how even though, you know, you've had this great experience with an open adoption, there's still these inner feelings that that we have to work through and struggle struggle with and not because necessarily other people are putting them putting on us those expect those expectations but because inside ourselves we're dealing with oh am i measuring up like mm -hmm. that's a frequent thing that that as a coach i hear is is people wondering am i measuring up and so many times it's the voice inside our own head that is questioning that more than anything else yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yes, <laughs> for sure. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, the last question I want to ask you is kind of our fun question of if you were a shoe, what type of a shoe would you be and why? Well, I definitely would have to be my son's light up tennies because Ooh. number one, they're just totally fun all the time. And who doesn't uh -huh. want to be a light up tenny? And they spark joy wherever he goes. Mm -hmm. Everyone points at him and says, cool light up tennies. And I want to be a light up tenny. So there you go. What color? Um, any color. Any color. Any color. Rainbow. Yeah. yeah. It's the light up. I mean, as long as you light up, you can be any color. That's true. <laughs> I love that. So where can people um, find you either on social media or on the web? You can find, well, on Facebook, I am Jen Martin Winterberg. So you can find me there. Um, I am happy to field any questions. I'm an open book about adoption. Um, I have friends that have adopted also, and we would love to meet for coffee. Um, we have all different stories. So don't think that I you know, tell a single story and that's all you're going to hear. Um, we have all different stories and from all different walks of life. Um, and then I also own Later Gator Kids Consignment Sales, 
And so um, you can find us at latergatorsales.com and we have a contact us button through there as well. So if you're not on Facebook, you mm-hmm. can certainly reach out and ask adoption questions through there. And you guys have so many events that you do through Later Gator too. We and do. Standout Events is becoming... Yes, Standout Events is more prominent. We are. We're growing Standout Events, and that um, a new website should be coming soon for that. Mm-hmm. And we are ha- we're going to have a lot of events coming. You might have seen some of our vendor shows at Kirkwood Mall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing a Purses for a Purpose, our third Purses for a Purpose charity event coming up, supporting Heaven's Helpers Soup Cafe in August at the Baymont Inn. So we're really, really excited. We love that one because we just love supporting charity Mm -hmm. and we love getting women together and purses, you know, and wine and all that good stuff. So what could go wrong with that? That (laughs) sounds like a great time and doing it for charity, which makes it even more worthwhile. Sure. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jen, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being a loyal listener to She Who Overcomes. Um, I just wish you the best. And it's it's just so exciting to to know this story and to help you get this out there. So thank you so much for joining us today. And for those of you listening, we will be back next week with a brand new topic. Until then, be healthy, be blessed, and be inspired. We will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to BigBlueCouchCoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under Big Blue Couch Coaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.